Welcome, everyone, and uh, welcome to Succepil. Today, I'm so honored and proud and happy to uh, present to you Ken Manning from Inside Principles. He works together with Robin Charbit, and they work with big businesses in Boston area uh, and do trainings uh, with professionals in the field of business development and coaching. I'm really, really curious, Ken, uh, first to tell me a little bit about you and where you come from and also from your background from 20 years as a successful psychotherapist and working with both individuals and organizations in your practice and then transitioning to the way you work today. Just about my background, I I was very interested in uh, Eastern philosophy, Buddhism and Taoism and Zen when I was uh, really young, like 10, 11 years old, and studied that with my dad growing up. And then uh, when I was a teenager, I was, I was inspired to find a solution to mental health for humanity. Wow. Not that I'd be the only one, but I, I, I really wanted to discover for myself and for people what I thought would be the best to help them. So... I thought going into the field of psychology would be a good idea. Yeah. So starting as a teenager, I started studying psychology and uh, then went to college and studied psychology and then got a master's and then a PhD and just really covered as much of the field as I could mm. for about 20 so, some odd years mm. as, a st- as a student. Then began uh, psychotherapy. Actually, before I started a psychotherapy practice, actually when I graduated college, I realized I didn't know enough about life to help people as a psychotherapist. <laughs> so I went into business. I was in business for 10 years. Yeah, I helped start a coffee business in the Boston area that was very successful. And we started yeah. the Starbucks. And then I started a magazine and was, uh, ran an advertising and marketing department of a national mm-hmm. magazine for six or seven years. Cool. And then I decided to go back to school and get my degrees and become a psychologist. So I became a psychotherapist, and uh, I would not say I was very successful at the beginning. (sighs) I'd say I got really mediocre results at best. Hmm. I knew what good results were because I'd been successful in business for 10 years. But here I was being a psychotherapist and getting very mediocre results, and I got really depressed and decided Hmm. to, to give up the field altogether and go back into business. So did you compare yourself with other psychologists that had more successful results? Or no, I just How wasn't. did you know you were mediocre? Well, clients would come to me for years or months, and they weren't getting a whole lot better. Was that I, different I, for anyone else? No, I don't think so. <laughs> a lot of my colleagues, I'd, we'd sit around and commiserate about how difficult the work was. And I didn't know anybody who was getting any better results. If I knew anybody getting any better results than I was, I would have gone and learned from them. But I learned from everybody I could learn from. And then uh, my friend Paul, who was a psychologist, got happy. And it really pissed me off because he didn't, <laughs> want, <laughs> he didn't want to sit around and commiserate with me anymore. Um I went to learn what he learned just so I could keep him as a friend. But what he learned were the principles that I teach now. I so had, was it was it very often a quest for happiness that you were searching? I didn't realize that that's what I was looking for. I was just looking for what would help other people. Okay. And um, not not realizing that I was unhappy myself. I was really mm-hmm. doing it for myself. But 
I went to this uh, program where I was learning what Sydney Banks had to teach, and I had a massive insight. And the insight was that everyone was fine. So who is Sidney Banks? Can you tell everyone? Sidney Banks began sharing with the people in his life what he saw about how the mind works. And their lives got better. Okay. And the circles went out and out. And before he knew it, people were coming from all over the world to hear what he was teaching. And psychologists, you know, went to hear Sid, saw that he was getting better results in 45 minutes than they were getting in years of therapy with their clients. Wow. So I came along as soon after that and realized that everybody is actually fine. They're just overthinking things and they don't realize it. And then I realized that nowhere in the field of psychology, and believe me, I covered the entire (laughs) territory, is there an explanation of how thought works, how the mind actually works, how consciousness and thought together actually work. So I'd studied psychology for 23 years and never realized that it's so that the essence of how the mind works is actually very simple. And you even have a PhD in psychology, right? I was a licensed psychologist for yeah. 15 years before I realized what thought is. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? That's quite weird. Yeah. So anyway, um, I began teaching what I saw to my clients. So instead of doing all these long, complicated uh, psychotherapeutic processes and techniques and strategies. Mm. I just started teaching people about their mind and how it works and mm. what thought is and how it works. And they would come back to me within a week or two and say, geez, Ken, that was really great. I really got it. Thanks. I don't need to see you anymore. That's bad for business, right? <laughs> I, I killed my business. It was within a couple of months I was out oh of having clients. <laughs> But I was getting really good results, yeah. which is what I was yeah. in the business for. So I was thrilled about that. I just yeah. wasn't thrilled about supporting my family. But then they started, then, then my clients started sending me everybody they knew, oh, okay. regardless of whether they had problems or not. Okay. And I've been, I've been overwhelmed with business ever since. And that's, yeah. that was 26 years ago. So I, I realized that people just really need to know how the mind works mm. at a basic level where they can see the truth of it. And then, you know, some, some range of people need a longer process to work a few things through. But for the most part, when people come to actually realize how the mind works, they're in pretty good shape. So they, what, yeah. they start to see how to get out of their own way. Yeah. So what would your words be about how the mind works? Well, thought is the process by which the mind shapes what we're perceiving every moment. And then the mind and and our consciousness take that shaping process and make it seem real to us. Mm -hmm. So this is the essence of the creative process. I mean, we imagine things all the time. So if I were to imagine, you know, having a nice, you know, dinner at a fancy restaurant, you know, I'd start to salivate because the the mind would start to produce the experience Mm -hmm. of actually being there and doing it. And the mm. body then follows. Mm. Well, this is an example of thought shaping an experience and the mind creating a realness with that imagining and then the body following. But this is happening every single second of our lives, yeah. whether we're aware of it or not. I heard you say once that uh, we have some control of ourselves because many people try to say that, you know, you should learn to control you're thinking or think positive or stop thinking negative, but do you have some thoughts about 
how to control our thinking or how not to control it or does it matter? Uh, for the most, for the ordinary person, I would say give it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, we don't control most of our thinking. Um, we, uh, we're, we're in a river of thought and we have a little bit of control. We have sort of have a, our hand on the rudder on the back of the boat but we're not controlling the river by controlling the boat a little bit. So I have a little bit of control. So I'm, I'm able to focus on our conversation and mm. put my logic together and express it mm. cleanly, hopefully. So I have a little bit of control over my thinking, but most of the thinking that comes into our heads during the day, we don't have control over. So for people that mostly think negatively or are in fear or in stress, um, they should do nothing. No, there's definitely things to do, but um, trying to control your thinking is not the best strategy. I think uh, if you study the spiritual scriptures and the literature of particularly of India from thousands of years ago, mm -hmm. there are strategies uh, of approaching enlightenment where you end up being able to control your thinking, but it takes decades. <laughs> of practice and you usually have to start at a very young age to be on that track and so i don't rec <laughs> i don't recommend that for Westerners. no i think people in their busy lives today with families and work no it's not it's time not to the time. but uh what happens with um really good information about how the mind works is that you begin to wake up to the nature of the human experience that you're having in the moment. And there's a capacity in the human mind to wake up to the ongoing process that we are in the midst of. And the capacity to wake up is not in service of controlling our thinking. Mm. It's in service of not being at the effect of our thinking. So what would you say to someone... Uh, in a meeting that's having a presentation maybe for the board or something a bit more with pressure they feel the pressure and they're in the room with these people and it's about their turn and they can feel their stomach sort of turning a little and how would that apply to that situation for those moments well if a person um, had taken some time to reflect with good information on how the mind works with feelings and physical symptoms and uh, complicated situations. In those moments of reflection, people could realize that feelings and mental habits are all produced by the mind in thought. And if you reflect and realize clearly enough you sort of wake up to the fact that the human condition is one in which whatever thoughts you get caught up in will produce feelings and distractions for you. Now, if you see that clearly enough, it's sort of like taking the boat that you had on this river of thought and taking it over to the bank and getting out of the boat for a minute. So it's sort of like the mind has this capacity to step out of what it's thinking and observe the fact of thinking mm. and the fact of this creative process that we're mm. generating all the time. 
Yeah. And, and with enough reflection, you cultivate the awareness that you are both the capacity to imagine and being caught up in thought, and you are also the capacity to observe the process and not be caught up in your thinking. So if you had had enough time to reflect and realize mm -hmm. that the human psychological experience is an ongoing creative process, you'll then have the grace and luck that if you're in this board meeting and you're about to give a presentation and you're starting to get sick to your stomach, it might occur to you, oh, I'm not sick to my stomach because I'm about to present in a board meeting. I'm sick to my stomach because I'm having thinking. Yeah. And that's the whole story. I'm having thinking. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Now, if you see that, the thinking that's causing you to be sick will fade away. Mm -hmm. And then you'll feel better and your head will clear and then you'll go and give your presentation. So in a way, you do nothing other than just realize what's the process of what's going on. If you have... Uh, developed enough realization about how the human process really functions, mm. then you're less liable to get caught up in where your mind can go mm. when it's, you know, going into unhappy places. Mm. Now, there's no cure for having bad mental habits except to not take them seriously mm. and step out of them. Mm. And over time, they get less and less energy I mean, I grew up as a massive worrier. I was anxious a lot of my life. Now, I still have that habit grooved into my brain somewhere, so certain things trigger it. But mm. um, I don't take it very seriously anymore, and it doesn't plague me like I used to. Mm. And I don't, I don't hang out and worry anywhere near like I used to. I mean, it lasts for a minute or two now, but that's different than having it all day long. Yeah. So... The game, the game is not to try and eliminate your habits. The game is to understand how the mind works. It's a be, the mind is a fantastic, beautiful gift. So when would you suggest people to have these moments of what you call reflection? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> It's a really good lifestyle. I recommend it all the time. <laughs> and still get things done. I know that. And still get things done. Yep. Yeah. Well, this is what we teach in business. You know, we, we mm -hmm. help people realize the beauty of the human mind and how it's designed for brilliance and efficiency. Mm. The mind is designed for efficiency. We've just over, we just overuse our creative process and make monsters in our head that don't need to be there. So tell me a bit more about how you work in business with, with your groups and, and what happens to people. What happens to the process in the business? Well, the essence of it is we want people to wake up to the power that their mind is using every moment, both in a healthy way and in a not useful way. So we want to show people that the mind will create realness or reality out of your thinking every moment, whether you like it or not. Mm. And this is one of the powers of the human mind. And when people wake up to that, they start to be a little more careful about what they believe inside their own heads. And when people do that, they tend to have a lot less noise and a lot less garbage. And then we like to show people that there's a phenomenally sophisticated uh, architecture of intelligences 
that are operating all the time, helping us stay present, oriented to what's going on, relevant to what's happening in the moment, relevant to what's happening for ourselves personally, mm -hmm. giving us new thoughts, uh, in enabling us to remember things, um, having love and compassion and connection with other people when it's appropriate, mm -hmm. um, being able to be strong and firm and protect yourself when it's appropriate, clear and intelligent and able to organize your thoughts and focus and get things done and have energy to get things done. I mean, these are all natural processes that are happening in us all the time. If we were to allow them to operate gracefully and efficiently within us, we'd get anything done we needed to get done in, it, in whatever time we have. So we show this to people in business and we do it in groups so that the groups can see that they can operate at a much higher level of performance and synergy with each other than they think is possible. And uh, so we share, the, you know, we, we teach this to people, we show it to them individually, and then we, we have them work as a group on something mm. to actually experience the pragmatic reality of it. Well, that's interesting. That turns uh, over to the, my new question about business culture and how to build a sustainable, positive, uh, growing culture in the business. I know many people work a lot on culture and values, and there's a lot of books written about it. How do, how do you guys work on that? We think there is a fundamental, essential culture available to everybody that is based on how the mind is designed to function and the innate intelligence and wisdom that all human beings can access. And when a company has a critical mass of people who know how to operate from their psychological health, that group of people will form a, an internal culture within a company that is wise and intelligent, respectful of the human dimension. What is the human dimension? Respect, respectful of people. Okay, okay. And their emotions and their thoughts and their unique oh, yeah. individuality. Yeah. Okay. So there will be a, uh, a respect for people, a respect for the intelligence and wisdom that exists inside of people. And then a, an intelligence about good business and what it takes to get business results. Mm. To me, to us, that's the core of a, a healthy culture in any business. Then, depending on the purpose of the business or the vision of the business and the relationship of the business to society or the, the larger culture uh, within which the company exists, whether it's global or local, there'll be an enormous amount of diversity within the people and of styles, mental styles, personal styles, social styles, yeah. religious styles. Absolutely. cultural backgrounds, you know, the, and, and it all makes for interesting and inclusive variety. But underneath all of that variety is this core of human wisdom and intelligence that should form the basis of any healthy culture. Now, yeah. Depend, you know, some some companies uh, will focus on uh, environmental issues. So they'll want to be one of their values will be the, we're eco ecologically sound, or mm -hmm. 
you know, if the company exists in a conflictive culture, they'll say, you know, human dignity is really important to us mm -hmm. or, you know, and it's really valuable to name a number of values that people outwardly can rally around. Mm -hmm. And it's good for business and it's good for the community, for the community to know that this is what the company stands for. Mm -hmm. But underneath all of that, there is a basic human health, psychological health that's built into the system. Mm. And whatever culture values the company wants to project to the mm. environment, they will be better supported if there's an internal culture of psychological health mm. and respect for the innate wisdom in everybody. Now, when we teach when we teach people about how the mind works, what I just said becomes obvious. Okay. So if you go into a big company, if you've gone into a number of big companies, you know, mm -hmm. we'll start sharing this with people, and uh, what will happen is that the culture, which is the norms of behavior and the norms of values and the norms of the which the way people talk to each other. Mm -hmm they all begin to be infused with a sense of innate wisdom and basic psychological health, mm. where people respect each other, mm. they're living in well-being inside themselves, and they're focused on getting the business done in a healthy and efficient way. Then everybody brings in their own cultures. There are Christian cultures, there are Muslim cultures, there are Jewish cultures, there's Norwegian, there's French, there's Italian, I mean, there's everything. Yeah. But everybody brings in their own unique things that, that give them joy mm. and give them uh, enthusiasm. Yeah. And those should not be suppressed or molded. I mean, mm. everybody's going to bring the, the beauty of their own culture. Mm. But if it's done with a basis of psychological health and innate mental clarity, mm then everybody's differences become uh, interesting and contributing to the... Mm. So in a way, it's super important that the leaders of a group and organizations have this understanding. Yeah, we like to start at the top. Exactly. It's really hard to do this with uh, unhealthy leaders at the top. And you can see very clearly a change happening in the companies where you have been working with. It takes a little time. It takes a little time, but it's, yeah. it's not as long as you might think of it. It's just so beautiful. <laughs> well, the system is designed really beautifully. I mean, whoever created this human system did a really nice job. We we use it badly and make a mess out of it, but the system <laughs> is designed really, really beautifully. <laughs>